You know the difference between hockey and those other sports? You gotta be tough to be a hockey player. I idolize Dominic Kaczyk. I played goalie because of Dominic Kaczyk. My life in hockey has been started because of Sabres hockey. I didn't need playoffs this year. I wanted it, but I didn't need it. But when you screw up for the fans as much as this team has over the last, like, five years, and just don't hold yourself accountable, I'm sorry. I'll hang up and listen. I'm sorry. Welcome to Two Goalies, One Mike, an in-depth look and behind-the-mask conversation about the greatest game on earth, where everything goes and nothing's off limits. Now I'll tell you something about this guy. This is only three minutes, eh? Whammo! Welcome, everybody, to episode, I believe, 104 of Two Boys, One Mike. Uh, free agent frenzy edition. I know a cliche title, but, I mean, I'm pretty dumb, so I couldn't think of anything better than that. And I'm, of course, joined by Ryan Drury. Best friend of the program, returning guest. I don't know how many times now, and I got a lot. I'm not gonna lie, I'm pretty happy with the, the day the Bears had today, but I'm pretty envious of the day the Washington Capitals had. Ryan, yeah, I can understand why. I, you know, I certainly think that my beloved Capitals were, uh, you know, arguably the most busy team just in terms of overall activity and overall roster overhauling um yeah i i'm really i'm really ecstatic and optimistic for the next couple seasons now where the caps are the oldest team in the league um doesn't mean that they're bad and it doesn't mean that they're out of contention or anything like that but they are getting you know toward the end of a competitive window here. And I think that they've um, added some serious stability in terms of going for it for another two, maybe three seasons, um, depending on the health of some of these guys as they continue to age. But I'm very happy with, I, I mean, I'll say this in summation, the Capitals, unlike some other teams in the NHL, are inarguably better today as we sit here talking than they were at the end of a playoff run where they should have beat the Florida Panthers and would have beat the Florida Panthers if the goalie they signed today was in net for them then. So, yeah, as a Caps fan, I'm pretty ecstatic. Yeah, I, I mean, you addressed, and we, we talked about before we hopped on here, it was, was – you know, all your moves were calculated, right? Like there weren't just signing just to, you know, look better on paper. They were signed for they were signed for his obviously. I mean, you know, we don't need to say why you went and got Darcy Kemper and Lingren. Like, you know, there was a glaring need there for you and that you want you you addressed. And like you said, the time frame for Washington to win a cup might be dwindling a little bit here. Uh, and you know, Vatchin's still probably gonna score fifty next year. Let's let's be real. Guys, the pure definition of the Russian machine, you know, like the guy just does not stop. But, um, you know, these guys aren't getting younger. Ovechkin isn't getting any younger. Backstrom isn't getting any younger. Uh, just that team has just been, you know, a playoff contender, Stanley contender for how long now? But, you know, there was a glaring need in that. You went and addressed it. You addressed the penalty kill. Connor Brown, as I said, I love that signing for you guys. And, you know, I think you really put yourselves in a good position going into next year in an East in an Eastern conference. That's still very, very good. 
I agree. And, and I mean, getting Kemper who, you know, people are pretty divided on and, you know, a lot of people, including, you know, some of the older guys in my hockey pool are trying to tell me it's a terrible signing and that he's not elite. I don't need elite. I don't need him to be elite. Um, You need to be elite for Colorado. No, he he didn't. He He had a 902 save percentage. Yeah, he had a 902 save percentage in the playoffs. Uh, Keep in mind that was uh, en route to taking a stick in the eyeball, um, which he has said today in his media availability he's fully recovered from. And he admitted that it hindered his ability uh, a little bit to play at 100% of what he feels is a very high-end ability. And his numbers would show that. Like, yeah, I, I wouldn't say that he's elite and in pure skill in playing the position. Yeah, there are quite a few guys that I'd probably put ahead of him. But again, with how, you know, when you look at the numbers, how decent the Capitals actually are defensively in terms of being top five and top 10 in five on five and, uh, and power play expected goals against suppression. Um, they're a pretty good defensive team for as much as people slag on them for not being one. They actually are. And if they had Kemper in net last year, I bet you they win seven or eight more games than they did in the regular season. And they still had a really good year. They got over 100 points. I I think that it's a good deal. Five years at five two five for a goaltender who I think is inarguably rock solid. I don't need elite, but I mean, it's funny that people are trying to paint this as a guy that it's so far fetched that he could be elite top five. He's actually fourth in save percentage over the last five years of NHL hockey have other goalies played way more games than him in some instances. Yes, but he's still fourth in save percentage two of those years on the Arizona coyotes. Let me say that again, the Arizona coyotes, as a matter of fact, he had a couple of really great seasons there where he put up, let me just call it up here. A 9.25 and a 9.28 save percentage in 55 and 29 games, respectively. 9.07 the following year after that. And then in Colorado this year, a 9.21. And that was after he had a slow start to go with a 2.54 goals against and five shutouts for a, a Colorado team that obviously did what they did. So. And also last year, he was fourth in goals saved above expected average. The only guys ahead of him were Shesterkin, Markstrom, and Sorokin. Pretty good company. So despite playing for a really good Colorado team, he actually ended up stopping more what people and analytics would consider high danger scoring chances above the expected average. That's what that means. Then... Basically everybody but three starters last year. And Sorokin, you could argue for a majority of the year, wasn't the Islanders' starter. So, I mean, even having said that, no, I'm not going to say he's elite. But he's pretty good. And and to, and to solidify the goaltending for this team and then to bring Lindgren in on 1.1 mil per over three years in, in a very good Nothing. showing. Yeah, a short and a short showing, albeit with with the Blues, a very good showing to shore up the backup role. Um, they still have Zach Fucali in the minors, who has played brilliantly at the AHL level 
had small doses at, at the NHL level, but I love the goaltending depth. Um, you mentioned Connor Brown giving up a second round pick for a guy that can score 20 goals, play on the third line really effectively, be a good penalty killer fast. And the Capitals, that's one thing they could get faster. They've done that here with Connor Brown. And he's actually a guy I think could play on the top line with Tom Wilson out for a lengthy period after that knee surgery. I think he could potentially be a guy that slides in on that top line with Ovi and Kuznetsov. Still a lot of questions about what Nick Backstrom's future might look like and whether he ever plays again. So we'll, we'll see what happens there. But then, you know, you, you give a, a show me contract to a guy with uh, a ton of skill that just didn't work out in Florida and Henrik Borgstrom, who won an NCAA title in Denver and has a, a very high ceiling in terms of skill on a nothing contract. You bring in Eric Gustafson who can move and will play on the third D pair and could potentially elevate on a nothing contract for 800 grand. You bring back Marcus Johansson, who I was scared they were going to give term to. They didn't. It's one year at 1.1. Good guy who can still skate fast and kill penalties. And, you know, and then and then getting Brown. I, I mean, I'm, I can't say that I don't like a single move that Brian McClellan made today. And I think the Caps, as it stands right now, are one of the big winners of free agency day. I, I, I 100% agree. Like top three, if you if you're trying to rank teams for sure. I mean, in terms of teams, that just went out and got. I better. think so, without a doubt. Uh, with a loser, though, I think I don't think we really have to guess who the big loser of the day one of NHL free agency is. The team that was expected going into last year to be a team that was going to contend for the cup. You know what was going to with the signing of Jack Eichel or the tra- the acquisition of Jack Eichel from us, the Buffalo Sabers to be a team that was going to, you know, push for the cup. Uh, literally, they've they've traded Marc-Andre Fleury and Max Pacioretty in separate deals, and all they've gotten in return is future considerations in both deals. I love this, especially with how some of these Vegas fans are right now because they were on their high horse for the last couple of years, made the cup finals in their inaugural season, which is insane, don't get me wrong. But now all that shit talk is starting to bite them in the ass because they're giving away. And I don't care, 33 years or not, Pacioretty is still an elite shooter and can score 30 without you know without even trying. Yeah, if uh, if he's healthy, that's the biggest question yep. with him. It, it, yeah, it is. It is interesting. I mean, when you look back at it, Vegas traded three picks, a first, second, third to get Tatar. Then they packaged Tatar and Nick Suzuki. For Pacioretty, there was also a pick and another prospect in there, Nordgren, I believe it was, to get patches. Now they've traded patches for nothing. I'm just not super sure what George McPhee and Kelly McCrimmon are doing over there. This is not the type of thing we were used to seeing from George when he was running the Capitals for almost 20 years. It it just seems like a lot of this is owner driven. They, they wanted to make big splashes. They did give them credit for having success right away. To be fair, I still think they're a very good team and I think that they will make the playoffs next year. But you know, when you look on return for investment and keep in mind, they traded flurry after you won the Vesna. Um, I mean, no, and 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 the consensus outside of cap relief, no sense. 
well, and the consensus there was the reason they did that, it was reported, was that Peter DeBoer favored Leonard, and Peter DeBoer isn't the head coach anymore. Fantastic. So you... And now you look at Flurry going back to to Minnesota for three point five per on a very palatable deal, doing his buddy Bill Guerin a favor. I mean, again, I still think Vegas is a good team, and if Jack can be healthy and get his career back on track and turn into a forty goal scorer, which I think we all believe he has the talent to. They'll probably oh, be sure. fine, but just it, just at looking at the return on investment of these these massive trades that they made, not good, not good. I would argue though that the biggest loser of free agent frenzy is inarguably the Calgary Flames. They just lost yeah. their cornerstone player, and. Um, and he's going to Columbus, and I'm so pissed off because I recorded my show like an hour ago, and he hadn't signed. And then he signs like 20 minutes later uh, in in Dwayne, what I would call, certainly in my lifetime, the most shocking free agent signing in NHL history. I, I mean, a couple hours ago, it was speculated that Columbus was a third team in on it all. But, I mean, nobody really took it seriously. And then out of nowhere, Elliot Frege, Friedman Frege, drops a bomb on the hockey world that it is indeed Columbus that is bringing Johnny Hockey, uh, which is Ohio, which is like nobody saw that coming. And, you know, a couple clicks for them. Like they, they went out, got the, the, the golden goose of free agency. Um, and, I you know, I, I for me, it's just like, what does that mean for, for Matthew Kachuk? Because there was a lot of speculation from Pierre Lebrun that Kachuk coming back and signing an extension there would be contingent on what happened with Johnny Johnny Gaudreau. I I think that, and for very good and obvious reasons, there are a lot of nervous Calgary Flame fans sitting on their hands right now wondering – where does this end because you know the beginning of of all of this is not looking great and and this is a team that you know i picked them to go to the cup final this year i actually picked them to win the cup um and now it feels like those hopes are dashed like could they go get nazim kadri yeah they could um, he's not Johnny Goudreau. I mean, we're talking about a guy that just came off a 115 point career year, 85 of those being at even strength, which is hilarious. It's just insane. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. yeah, it, it, it's shocking. I'll say this, like Goudreau, he absolutely makes Columbus better. He's an instant offensive threat, a power play threat. He's going to be on the ice a ton. Um, you can argue about their center depth there. They've got some good young prospects coming up in guys like Foodie and Cole Sillinger. Uh, and those young guys are going to have two pretty good wingers to play with. I mean, Patrick Laine and Johnny Goudreau, like, that's nothing to sniff at. Those are two pretty good players that are dangerous for different reasons. Laine with a big cannon and Goudreau with his slick playmaking ability. It's 
like Columbus is going to have a power play. Didn't love the uh, Eric Good Branson deal. I actually thought that might have been one of the worst, if not that. the worst, contract of the day. I'm not sure what Yarmo was thinking there. $4 Toughness yeah, toughness and leadership is not worth $4 million for a box pylon that cannot skate. I'm not really sure what he's doing there. I mean, hey, smoke him if you got him. You've got all this cap space, whatever. I, I'm not sure what Eric Branson did to earn four know. years. But, um, yeah, it, it, it's sure. significant. Yeah, it's – I, I don't know why that wasn't appropriate, but whatever. They wanted him for some reason, and there he is. I'll say this for Columbus. Like, the city, and we're, we're seeing it a lot on Twitter, and I can confirm it. Like, it is an underrated city. It's actually a lot of fun. Of course, you know, my cousin was there for a few seasons coaching alongside George, John Tortorella, who he rejoined in Philly. Uh, cousin Brad's off to Philly now, which is interesting but you know he was torts right hand man when they were in columbus together and you know when we went down and visited you know brad down there we had a ton of fun it's a beautiful city in a beautiful state with a lot of fun teams around to go and see obviously the Bengals aren't very far away um and the city is great like they've done a good job of building up that downtown quote unquote arena district it's a lot of fun. It's a college town. And uh, when we went down there and watched games, um, it was a lot of fun to be around the rink. There's a lot of great bars, really good restaurants. Like it is, it is an underrated gem in terms of a place to live. The roster, I don't know, as currently constructed, if, if it's necessarily an underrated gem, it kind of is what it is. But Johnny Goudreau seems to obviously have faith that they're going in the right kind of direction because there were other places he could have signed that would have afforded him better teammates to play with. Now uh, yep. the New York Islanders come to mind immediately. Of course, everybody figured he'd go home, home to New Jersey, the Rangers, potentially they're always in on everybody, you know, but everybody just assumed, you know, I'm leaving Calgary for family reasons. Well, he must be going home to, you know, New Jersey to play with Jack Hughes and Nico Heischer. Um, or maybe he's going to the Island to play in that, in that new arena down there, which is allegedly really awesome and play with Matt Barzell uh, or, or something. And no, it's, it's not, uh, it, it's not worked out. He, again, I, I loved Columbus. I think it's a great city, but it just in terms of free agency, I, I, I I'm struggling to think, of a more shocking out of nowhere free agent splash that's this significant. It's it's incredible what Columbus has pulled off. Here. With PLD, PLD as a center, if PLD is still there. Um, PLD's gone. He's in Winnipeg oh, and they're sorry, trying to trade sorry, him. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Line. I'm sorry, Line. I'm sorry, I got the two mixed up. Uh Patrick Line. Um and I just Maybe, and I remember talking about with Kyle Quick uh, about you know what exactly, you know what you know why exactly Johnny Gaudreau would leave Calgary, and, and he 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 thought about Buffalo as being a possible destination only because he can fly under the radar there, the spotlight isn't really on him, and he can just do his own thing, get paid, you know whatever. And I think about that when I think of Columbus too, because Columbus there isn't a big spotlight on him, there is. 
he maybe isn't expected to just to be the guy, even though he's getting paid to be the guy. But I mean, still, even I just I Columbus. I mean, as as do 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 we do we do here? Uh, Andrew Katz, friend of the program. Lou Hamrell seems LL seems fitting for his initial because he took a big fat fucking L. Time to kick the can, man. Need answers from ownership, in my opinion, as to why they think Lou is their man. The game has passed him by. And then he goes, you're going to lose out lose out to Columbus over 500 when you have to have a $2 billion arena an hour's drive away from home, not not 10 hours. And like you, going back to what you said, I mean, I agree. Like, it doesn't make much sense to me. I I, I would like I would love to hear the reasoning from John Jarrell himself why he chose Columbus and not going home to the island. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm curious to hear his thoughts on this. Like my again, my thinking is he must feel that Yarmo sold him on the young prospects they have, the young goaltending that they have there in Merzlikens, who is going to be looking for a big time bounce back year. Corpusalo, mm-hmm. we'll see if if he comes back after a very dismal year himself. Um, they do have promising prospects. I'll say that for sure. I like Cole Sillinger. I, I think he. I think he's going to be a good NHL player. Is, is he a number one? I don't know. Like, it's it's interesting. I. It's a huge win for Columbus. Like, it makes sense for Columbus. Like, of course they they got inarguably way better offensively and on the wing. And it, like Johnny Goudreau is single handedly going to add what five percentage points to their power play efficiency by himself. Um, You know, him on the half wall, throwing one timer sauce to line a like, that sounds pretty good, you know, and they've got some young players. Yeah. Like they've, they've got some young players there that are going to try and, you know, edge their way into full-time NHL jobs, but it, it does beg the question, you know, he left upwards of $15 million on the table in the Calgary deal. And I know that, I know that, you know, there's the whole thing with the taxation Canadian teams and this, here's the thing that people don't talk about often enough though, with the Canadian teams and yes, the the taxes, when you play for a Canadian team, you are not going to be watched more. You can't be watched and seen and appreciated as a player more than any other place in the NHL, you just can't. Aside from what Boston and the Rangers, Buffalo yeah. would be up there too. And Buffalo's rocking; they they love their Sabers and and rightfully so. But here's the thing in Canada: like the sponsorship dollars that are available to you here, and so, like, yeah, it's great to play in Tampa and have no state tax. But by and large, the state of Florida has no idea who Steven Stamkos is. Yeah. So there's a little bit of a give and take there where like the sponsorship opportunities in Canada are massive. Like Mitch Marner, you, you see him on like all the intact insurance ads that, that he yeah. was doing. He was making bank on that. Like he was getting a ton of money for that. And yeah, he pays more taxes to live here in Canada, but it does like it does even out a little bit. I do wonder too, and I don't think Johnny would ever admit it. I wonder how much of a factor that dump of an arena in Calgary factored into him potentially leaving because man 
They are number one outside of the Arizona State Coyotes. <laughs> they are the number one team in Gary Bettman's crosshairs in terms of getting a new rink. They need a new rink really, really bad. And now that the Islanders have theirs, and it sounds like the Senators are maybe making waves to potentially getting a new building there. Um, man, they need a new rink. I, I genuinely wonder how much that potentially factored into his decision. I don't know. I, uh, when I think, I mean, I still hate that. I mean, as great of a team they have and as good of the season, they had such a good squad this year. And even during the season, man, that arena was half full most nights. And it drives me nuts down in Florida. It, it really does. Uh, Arizona State Coyotes. <laughs> it's a joke. That's what they are. That's what they That's are. What they are. They are. Uh, I just, for me, it's, um, it really, it really is a brain buster, man. Um, but I think you're right, Ryan. I really do. I think, I think you, you kind of hit the nail on the head there. Um, but uh, other losers from free agency, I think Philly. <laughs> Philly just did virtually nothing today. Yeah, I. And they were rumored to be players, maybe for Goudreau. I just don't know what they see in holding on to, and uh, I mean, let alone holding on to acquiring a guy like Ristolainen. Good luck. And now they bring D'Angelo into the mix and give him plenty of term and money. I think D'Angelo just taking myself outside of the person that he is and has consistently shown himself to be outside of that. I think on the ice, he's a talented hockey player. I don't want anything to do with them, but like, of course, Philly does. And I I just really think that Philly... Philly I mean, <laughs> I I think Philly, I actually think Philly is definitely in danger of finishing last overall in the NHL next year. I really do. I, I, I don't like anything about that team. I don't love their roster at all. Their stalwart and Claude Giroux is gone. Still some nice pieces there and Travis Konechny and the like, but I hate, I hate their roster. And like Carter Hart, what what is he is he a victim of the philly man i know right like put together one of the finest chl goaltending seasons in a very long time in everett and and was highly touted and deservedly so is he simply of the latest victim of the philly goaltending flu or or is he just not what everyone thought he was much like Ilya Samsonov with Washington? Is he just not what everybody hyped him up to be? I don't know. Uh, of course, Philly will finish last. They have Risto. I seriously like Air, Arizona's really bad and Chicago will be really bad. Philly is right there for me. Like, I wouldn't be shocked at all, honestly, if Philly finished dead last in the NHL next year. I don't, I just don't love anything about that team at all. I, I, and I think they had a brutal day. Yeah, I agree. I think I think they were terrible, and there were some other teams too that, you know, kind of leave you shaking your head. Look at that! <laughs> Seventeen bars watch charm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Seriously. Yeah. I agree. Like a nationwide arena is an awesome. Oh, it, it's a great hard. arena. It, it is really nice. And like the cannons and everything, like yeah, it it's a fun arena. And like when people 
people have really started to get a lot more attached uh you know with the with the jackets like it is a fun building like i agree i uh rakeen davis what what's going on Dwayne and ryan quick question what is your thoughts on claude Giroux signing with the ottawa senators what is my opinion of that um I mean, is Ottawa ready to be that to make that push? Yeah, that's a question that they're going to have to answer. I again, I think that they are way, way better today than they were at the end of the season. Yeah. Getting to Brinkett, who I think that's one of the most confusing moves. Like Chicago bottoming out. I understand they want to bottom out and get Bedard and. One more year here of Kane and Taves. Kane will not be on that franchise. I, I think he'll be gone before Christmas, and they'll retain half his salary. I seriously, I, I still can't wrap my head around what possessed them to get rid of DeBrinket. But what a stroke of genius by Pierre Dorian, who has taken a lot of heat and rightfully so for some of the moves that he's whiffed on. But trading that seventh overall pick. For, uh, for a prospect that you were going to pick there that's in no way, shape, or form in a bit of a middling draft, in no way, shape, or form was that prospect selected there going to be better than what DeBrinket is going to give you right now and for a very, very long time. So adding him and then Giroux into the mix and getting Cam Talbot in as a pretty solid option in goal and escaping the nightmare that was Matt Murray – I think that Pierre Dorian is having a pretty nifty little chuckle to himself right now. Claude Giroux, it's quite clear he still has plenty of quality in his game. He is slowing down as anybody would with age, but he had a really good season last year, all things considered, playing on a pretty bad Philly team and then flipping over to Florida. No, he ultimately wasn't, you know, a godsend piece in helping them get over the hump as they just could not deal with Tampa again. I still think he's a really good player. One thing you can say about him is, yeah, as players slow down, one thing that doesn't leave you is your smarts and your hockey IQ. And this guy has shown over his career, he's been one of the smartest players in the NHL. He has put together a lot of very, very good seasons in a, a pressure market as a captain of that Philadelphia Flyers team. Uh, he he still brings a, a lot of good I would venture to say elite aspects of the game to the rink and at a little over $6 million to come in and be a veteran guy and help rise the tide of some of the games of that young Ottawa team. I think he's going to do wonders for guys like Josh Norris um, and, and Brady Kachuk. He's still going to be an effective weapon on the power place, you know, moving the puck around. He's a great passer, great vision. That's not ever going to leave him. Even as he slows down, I I think you know it's a pretty good signing. I I don't ultimately think Ottawa will make the playoffs, but I'll say that I won't be like on the floor shocked if they do. And I will actually probably be sprinkling a little bit of money for them to get into the playoffs as a wild card I was actually team. just going to ask you, man, like how much of a sleeper bet is that right now? I think it's a really good one, and yeah, I haven't seen like, odds yet. Th those will probably come out in the next month or so. You know, I, would, I would probably bet that it's going to be something like plus 1,200, maybe even plus 1,500 for our betting enthusiasts out there. 
just off the top of my head, I bet you that might be what the line is for Ottawa to make the playoffs. And I'd sprinkle 10, 15 bucks on that. I, I would, and I will. Get a huge return. Yeah, 100%. Ah, fuck, do 100 bucks. Why not? Well, I like, I like yeah, to be conservative with my money. Uh, yeah, I, I make like five $10 bets. So. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, you know, who benefits the most out of that signing for me is Brady Kachuk, right? A kid who of course. You know, is a rough, you know, tough, elite. Like, the, the Kachuk family, both those kids are just unicorns, right? They're just – these kids – give you everything you want in your prototype animals. player. You know what I mean? They're elite they're elite playmakers. They're elite goal scorers. Unbelievable skating ability, shooting abilities off the charts. And not to mention, they will literally run you through a wall. They will run you out, out of the arena if you touch their goalie. Like you don't find players like that. That's why when when Pierre Lebrun was you know speculating that if Johnny Hockey leaves, like Matthew Kachuk might want out, and they might want to think about possibly the, the the actual reality. We might have to trade this guy because I don't think he's going to want to come back. If you know, if the sky is falling, that's why I think maybe Calgary makes a hard push for for Nazem Kadri because you got to keep that kid happy. He's your captain. Like, what do you, what do you, you got to get? I mean, money money talks, bullshit walks. But find me any teams outside of whoever's in cap hell. Who isn't going to back up a Brinks truck for Matthew Kachuk? And I was even saying before the draft, if that is a reality, and if if there really is like smoke there, even though they say there isn't, I would say Buffalo should offer all three first and Jack Quinn if that's enough for Matthew Kachuk because he is worth it. Because you hope, you hope that Jack Quinn could be 75% of what Matthew Kachuk is right now at 23, 24 years old. And the reality of it is, are those three picks that you just made going to be as good as Matthew Kachuk? They could be. One of them could, for sure. But, I mean, the likelihood? No. You drafted small centers, all three of them. They weren't yeah. Um, Very skilled centers. I think Matthew Savoy reminds me a lot of Danny Breer. I tweeted that out. Like, watching him play, it just makes me think of Danny a lot. Yeah, but do they yeah. have the potential in the ceiling of a Matthew Kachuk who had over 100 points this season and plays the style of hockey that he plays? No, not at all. So that's why for me, all three of those first and Jack Quinn, as great of a year as he had in the AHL, was worth it, 100%. Because that guy takes you from you know maybe a team that finishes in 20th next year to a team that really is pushing to for a wild card spot in the playoffs. Buffalo would be a team that would have a lot of appropriate assets if yes. the Calgary Flames are forced to consider moving Matthew Kachuk. Mm -hmm. Obviously, immediately there, you know, there's speculation that he's going to want to go home to St. Louis. And the Blues, I mean, they would move heaven and earth, you know, yep. to try and get him to. I don't know what that looks like. They did just signed Robert Thomas to a massive eight year, $8.1 million dollar deal. Them? Do you think? They yeah. Them? I think I, so I, I do. I do simply because and I like Rob Thomas. I watched him a lot yeah. in the OHL. He's a really good player. OHL champ. He's, he is a really good player and he had a great year. He was second on the team in scoring. I believe he had 77 points off the top of my head here. Um, eight, eight point one. Like I, oh, I mean, years. If if he based on what he's done so far in the league, and he's had some injury woes too early in his career, based on what he's done so far, even including this year, 
yeah, 8.1 feels rich to me. But if he continues to be a 70-plus point player and play That's that dogged it. style, then it's absolutely worth it. And he's really young. I think he's 23 years old, 22 or 23. If he plays like this for the duration of that deal, and he'll still be young-ish when that deal expires then it's not an overpayment and they hey it's the devil you know right they know all about this kid they know what he brings to the rink they know how hard he works he fits in well there mm -hmm. if kachuk wants out st louis of course is going to be heavily involved but buffalo would be a team that's on the rise still has some holes to fill sure but they would be a team that have plenty of assets to try and entice the calgary flames i i definitely don't disagree and I and with Savoy, I I saw your tweet about him reminding you of Briere. I I think that's an apt comparison. A small guy who's just, you know, he, he's slick out there, man. He's a slick yes. little player. He's slippery and he's not afraid of the physicality either. I I think that um, if he ends up being a permanent part of the Sabers ongoing rebuild, I, I think he's going to make people there really happy because he's a hardworking kid and he's got plenty of skill. And he was, he was slotted in at Buffalo's pick at nine on a lot of mock drafts, too, a lot of boards. So it wasn't surprising to me that they went with him. Uh, one of the one of the picks, I too, I, you know, I was ranting and raving about this, too, that second-round pick. I, I, I don't agree with taking a goalie there for that early in the second round. Especially, I mean, granted, yes, he was the top-ranked goalie in the entire draft. But for me, it's like you have Eric Portillo and Devin Levi. Granted, Portillo hasn't, you know, signed yet. Neither has Levi even though I have it on good account that Levi is coming to Buffalo after this, you know, I'm not going to say it for sure, but after this college season, because anything can happen, but he's pretty much all but told me that that's, that's his plan. And Portillo, if he wasn't going to sign, would he be there? Would have Buffalo have him there? Yeah, exactly. I, I, th but, oh, but I think that it's a good move given that we've just seen how, you know, explosive the goalie carousel was leading into yeah. today. So I actually think loading up, you can never, it's like baseball. You can just never have too many pitchers. That's true. I, I don't think you can ever have too many defensemen and too many goalies and having all these lottery tickets. Cause that's what they are. We can look at goalies. We just talked about Carter Hart and Elias Samsonov, two guys mm -hmm. who were first rounders where everyone was going. Here's two of the next big things. So far, hasn't worked out great. Um, and and one of those organizations in my capitals walked away from a 22nd overall pick in Ilya Samsonov. So until a goaltender gets to the NHL and carves out a consistent foothold in a crease for a team, mm -hmm. they're all lottery tickets. Yeah. So I actually think for a team like Buffalo, based on where they are, and some of the positives that they managed to carve out in the latter half of that season and, and the excitement that they generated under Donnie Meatballs, I actually think it's a pretty good gamble because that's what they are. Every draft pick, really, when you break it down, is a gamble outside of your Sidney Crosby's and McDavid's and Ovechkin's and Matthew's. Every draft pick's a gamble. Talk to Nail Yakupov. How's he doing back in Siberia, you know? <laughs> So, so I actually think in, in terms of how important we've seen how the, that goaltending is to teams, I actually don't mind that pick by Buffalo. So I, I don't know. Time will tell, but they're, they're crossing their fingers, Kevin Adams yep. and his management team, that one of these guys who they now have what four or five of them now, because Lucanen is still there. 
And he yeah. could, who knows? He could turn around. Well, he, he, now, One of these guys has got to be the guy, right? We'll, we'll see. For, well, I think that's a big, a, a big kick in the dick to, to UPL signing Comrie today. And you have Anderson. Yeah. Like, you know, whether you had your chance to put up or shut up, you couldn't stay healthy. And when you were down in the AHL, granite Rochester was a shit show in their own end. You, you just couldn't put up consistency and get that and, and, and get them to, uh, you know, a Calder, uh, a Calder Cup. You know, I just, I, you know, I, I might say I've given up on UPL, but just man, I, like, I wouldn't. No, I wouldn't. But 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 it is like, a, hey, what have you got? Yeah, and he is yeah, he, like the kid before he even went pro already had double hip surgery. He's had multiple lower body injuries. I think yeah. one upper body injury. Like the kid is glass, man. And I mean, even if he comes in next season healthy and plays an entire season. I mean, these injuries are going to catch up with all goaltenders at some point in their in their career, and for him, it looks like it's going to be sooner sooner rather than later. It, I just I just can't see it. I, I just yeah. I, if I'm if I'm a betting man, you know whatever the I would be betting on Portillo or Levi to be that guy or that tandem going into the future because I just I just don't. I'm not going to say I've lost all faith in UPL. I won't say that, but the injuries are a huge, huge, huge concern with him and. I, I don't again. I didn't. I shouldn't say I hated them taking the goalie, but I was a big Lane Hudson guy. I I, I know he is five foot eight. Apparently, some endocrinologist report came out where he actually is has delayed bone development. So like he's actually still has a full year of growth left in him. Um, but with that being said, I mean he's like second all time in NTDP scoring for a defenseman behind like maybe Quinn Hughes or some some something like that. So for me, it's like that was a no-brainer for me. Just bring that kid in, you know. You know what's it gonna hurt? You know the kid. The kid's an absolute dynamo, and I mean, I think in a league where size—I know defensively it's different—but in a in a league where size doesn't matter as much as it used to be, like that kid is is so dynamic, so smart, and even though even though he's not a big guy, he knows how to use the ice that he does have to find space and avoid and, and, and avoid physical play. Yeah, I agree. And, and I mean, everything that you said, everything you said about UPL, uh, again, I, I think is even further reason to kind of support where they took that goalie. I, I mean, I'm interested to see, like, like Comrie's a guy that had plenty of, of backers when he came into the NHL, too. I, I you know, based on, I, I actually think it was really smart of the Sabres not to get involved in this wild goalie carousel and bring back a veteran guy in Anderson who has seen it all, done it all, had lots of success over his career, um, including some really great years in in Ottawa. And then to bring Comrie in as a guy who is healthy and can give you minutes on a young team that's still building toward what they hope will be a, a positive decade long run with some of the young players that they've been able to bring into the organization. But, you know, you, you brought it up with the, with the Kachuk thing and, and just in general with the space they have and, and the positivity that they've managed to cultivate, particularly in the latter half of last year, like Buffalo should be, and I think will be a, a major player on the trade market over the next season or two, and and they've they've done a good job in earning that status. They they've got a good young core of players here, 
And I think that as they continue to improve, you're going to be in a position where you can add to that. I'm sorry to be laughing. I'm listening to talk about in that group chat with our friend Katz. He is still losing his mind about Lou Lamorello, and I am here for every second of it. Like It was like me two years ago with, with the ownership of Buffalo, and he's just losing his mind. He needs to call a radio station right now. <laughs> <laughs> he should hang up and listen. Yeah. And listen, absolutely. Oh, it's so funny. But – He's an interesting guy, right? And and I I can't say that I disagree with him in saying like the game has kind of passed Lou by. He I don't know, man. I I would like to think that that Islanders team you know, there's plenty of excuses from last year, the long road trip before the building was ready. Mm-hmm. Some guys having some really down years, plenty of injuries, sure. I still like their future. I I like Dobson a lot. I like Matt Barzell a lot. I like their head coach a lot. Uh, I still don't know why they fired Barry Trotz, but I like Lane Lambert a lot. Guy that won a Stanley Cup, he knows what's going on. Um. And I like Ilya Sorokin a lot. And they've got Varlamov there, who I think Sorokin will overtake permanently this year. And that's an asset for a guy, you know, they could flip Varlamov to a team that really needs a goaltender uh, in the regular season and probably get a pretty good asset back. But Lou, it's just, he was the perfect GM for the Devils for all that time he ran them. And he had inarguable success a mountain of success they were such a good team for that era he put together a team that absolutely stifled you and and put many fans to sleep but they won a lot and now as the game has kind of changed into a more fast-paced wide open back and forth shoot 'em up style of hockey where skill is able to be on display quite a bit more he just, I don't know. Yeah, I, 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 I hesitate to criticize his overall impact on the game. He's all a famer and should be, and his career, which is better than most. But for right now, I'll just say that I'm happy that he's not running my favorite team. Yeah, that's about uh, as respectful as I can be. While we, while we've been on, um, at live. Carolina Hurricanes have uh, signed Andre Kasha. <laughs> so there's that. Interesting. Better and better and better. They, yeah, they're an interesting team, you know, and they get Brent Burns too. They, they clearly feel like they're still a contender, and I think they are. I mean, they're a really good team, and they got some really good players there. I really like Tara Vinen. I, re- I love Sebastian Ajo. I think he's fantastic. <laughs> Future considerations, baby. That's like GM's whoever, favorite words. So good. Whoever, whoever runs the Carolina Hurricanes Twitter is a genius because that's awesome. They're that pretty is an funny. Absolute, that's an absolute nut slap to everybody in Vegas. Future it's, considerations. It's really good. It's really good. Oh, yeah. it's fantastic, man. Oh, how can you not love? Your impact on the Canes will never be forgotten. That's pretty funny. <laughs> That's a quality tweet. Yeah. I, they, uh, hey, they're a team that got better too. 
Tony D'Angelo leaves, they they get a veteran guy who's still got plenty of game, and we all know what Brent Burns is all about. He's, he's perennial all to 50 points a year, man. He's a fantastic. You know, I wouldn't be surprised on that Carolina team if he got 60 and had like a nice resurgent season. Well, that's the thing. Like, he's not expected to be the guy. No, he doesn't have to be. Jacob Slavin's the guy. Yeah, you don't need you don't need him to be the guy. Jacob Slavin's one of the most underrated players in the league. Um, and, and and yeah, I just love what they're all about there. Svechnikov is a freak. Like, yeah, they've got a really good team there. And uh, yeah, they made some noise today. And I mean, Andre Kosh is a guy that before he got hurt was, you know, doing some good things in Toronto. And I think he's going to fit in perfectly there with that grinder mentality that Rod the Bod Brindamore has in Carolina. I think Kasha will will fit in perfectly fine on their third line. Yeah, I agree. And then Andre Palat, another name that hasn't signed yet. I'm surprised how quiet the market has been around Palat. You haven't heard much much in regards to him, right? Like, he's not going back to Tampa. They can't afford him after oh. dishing out a ton of money to Sergachev and Sorelli, and rightfully they the right, so. They made the right moves, though. They made the right moves. They locked up their they core. Did. They, they, they did. That, they had a great day. I'm sorry. They had a great day today. People people are like, I can't believe that they paid Mikhail Sergachev. Mikhail Sergachev's a really, really good player. And, and when you consider the impact that he had in taking some pressure and some minutes off of Hedman on those long, long runs, three of them, and the fact that he continues to get better and will continue to, to put more points up as he gets more minutes and probably starts to take even more of a load off Hedman who's played in a lot of hockey they all have over the last few years if if Seth Jones is making 9.5 and Charlie McAvoy who I love is making 9.5 I believe as well and Darnell Nurse is making what 925 Mikhail Sergachev at 85 sounds perfectly fine to me And God, I mean, can you argue against what he's done and the impact he's had on two Stanley Cup winners, three straight finalists? Mm-hmm. And uh, and as far as Anthony Sorelli goes, too, they locked up at a really nice cap it as well. He's just he's become a prototypical two way force. Uh, I actually think that Sorelli is very much like what David Krejci, who is rumored to be coming back to Boston was for years for the Bruins and at a very similar cap it. That's about, I actually think Krejci was making like 7.25 in his heyday with the Bruins back when they won that cup and were contending for years and years. I actually think Sorelli is very similar to David Krejci and I have zero problem with either of the contracts they handed out to two guys who are champions and proved their champions time and again. Yep. And they're still going to be right in the hunt of it, right in the thick of it next year. It's not yeah, like they're not going anywhere. Where, man, they still have Vasilevsky in that. I mean. He's pretty good. Yeah. Best goalie in the world still, in my opinion, even with Shasirskin in the league. I, I, still, yeah. I still think, I mean, Shasirskin still has a lot to prove in my eyes. I mean, you know, obviously Vesna Trophy winning goalie this year. For a cup of coffee, he was, you know, you know, maybe the front runner for the heart with that run he went on. But for me, it's still Vasilevsky. I'm still taking the, the you know, the three-time cup winner. Um. No. Yeah. The, no. No. They have two cups. Sorry. Yeah. 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 Two. Sorry. Two. They went to the finals the year before. I'm sorry. Four. Four Stanley Cup final appearances though for Vasilevsky yes. now. Yes. One of which he wasn't really the starter for, but um, yeah. It. I. It, again, if 
If it's game seven tonight, I want Vasilevsky in net. 100%. I want, I want him in net over every other goaltender available to me. Maybe even every other player available to me. I, I would probably take Vasilevsky first. Yeah, 100%. I, I just, you know, Shasirskin's going to be the next Vasilevsky. That's for sure. Um, Russia, think- man, they're cranking goalies out. Like, they, they're yeah. a goalie factory, Russia man. They've Man, the wrong team. Um, I don't know what it is. Yeah, they're they're cranking out good goalies. So we went over the big winners, uh, Capitals being one of them. Uh, Columbus obviously is up there now with that huge signing of Goudreau. They put themselves right in the thick of it. I think the Ottawa Senators, Senators again, a top three team. Like again, I mean, you know, getting to Brinkat, getting, getting, um, I'm sorry, uh, Giroux, Talbot, Talbot. Like, what is what is Minnesota doing, by the way? Like for me, I thought Cam Talbot should have been the guy. He did nothing to lose that net. I know Flurry is, you know, still a phenomenal goaltender, but I mean, if you're asking me who I want to, you know, go forward with, it would have been Cam Talbot for me. Like the guy did nothing to deserve to lose that net, in my opinion. Granted, you are still riding with a phenomenal goaltender in Marc Andre Fleury. And still, like you said earlier, I still can't believe they traded him the year. <laughs> It, yeah, Vegas is Vegas is <laughs> handing out poker chips to everybody. I I'll say this: obviously, Flurry. They feel like with his pedigree, he could be a guy to help them contend right now, and they feel that his overall skill level is a little bit more reliable than than Talbot. Who you're right, really didn't do much to lose that crease. And after Mark Andre Flurry was acquired, it, it is worth mentioning that. Cam Talbot didn't lose another game in the regular season after that trade um, and did get into some of the playoff action for Minnesota. I'll say this, though. uh, I mean, in trading him to Ottawa, Ottawa did give up uh, uh, what I still feel is a blue chip prospect in that in Philip Gustafson. I I think Philip Gustafson has a potentially really bright future in the NHL. And I think that Minnesota, after realizing that Talbot was sour about the whole flurry thing, and then probably when they realized that Flurry was going to be willing to sign for three and a half to see out the end of his career, they they did a pretty astute job actually in getting a young asset back in Gustafson, who I still think, especially now with a mentor like Flurry, I think that Gustafson could potentially be their goalie of the future. That was what the hope in Ottawa was. I like him a lot, and he's had some good AHL numbers, and I think that he's young enough still where Minnesota's probably banking on him picking up a lot of wisdom from Marc-Andre Fleury, who's going to walk into the Hall of Fame someday. So, yeah, it's 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 interesting. But, yeah, there's been a lot of shuffling around. Ottawa's done well. I mean, we haven't even talked about the, you know, the dice roll that Toronto is taking with, no, uh, with their was- goaltending. That's what I was trying to bridge to there, uh, you know, transition into. Well, give her, let, yeah, let's hear. That's so. <laughs> the Leafs think they went from, okay, so they went from having Campbell and Freddie Anderson to Campbell Morazic to, um, I'm sorry, uh, <laughs> Matt Murray and uh, who, who is it? Ilya Samsonov. Ilya Samsonov. You know, you know very well. Yeah, um, I do. <laughs> granted, granted, I mean, maybe the kid can turn it around. He had, you know, he had a little, a little of a bright shining spot there in the playoffs for him, right? 
had one game. I think he had one decent game, didn't he? He had a really good game in relief. Yeah, yeah. of Vanacek. I and and you know, good luck to both those guys. Yeah, but Ilya Samsonov. I'll start with him, given that I know him very well, is the epitome of a what if. Mm -hmm. It it's it's so disappointing to me that this is the reality of it. And Brian McClellan said as much today. Like when you look at the Capitals over the last number of years, they have produced a lot of goalies, some much better than others, but you know, look at their draft history in, in getting Varlamov into the league for a period of time there. Neuverth had some promise. Holtby, a fourth-round pick who won a Stanley Cup, and sadly it sounds like he's going to have to retire, and when he does, they should – I mean, if anybody deserves one of those goofy one-day contracts and an immediate number raise to the rafters with a picture of him making the save on uh, your buddy Alex Tuck, in that cup final, it's Braden Holpe, but they bring Holpe into the league. Samsonov, Vanacek, Phoenix Copley, like they they have done really well. And Samsonov was supposed to turn into the guy. It's the guy that came in with a mountain of high, high praise and pedigree. And in what many would still probably consider the second hardest professional league, the KHL in the world, playing against men, had disgusting numbers playing for Metallurg. Uh, which uh -huh. is the franchise many will know that uh, that Yevgeny Malkin played for uh, before he came to the to the NHL. Disgusting numbers against the KHL's best comes over here, and he is now in a situation where you know you look at the inconsistency and inability to just settle in his net, bad angles, poor rebound control. I don't think I, I don't think there's a starting goalie in the NHL that drops and misplaces his stick more than Ilya Samsonov. Yeah. Um has no depth perception or awareness of where he is in his crease in relation to his posts. Soft goals galore. Brutal mistakes against the Florida Panthers in the playoffs this year outside of that one decent performance where he relieved Vanacek in a game the Caps won. The Capitals win that series if Darcy Kemper is in that. I said that earlier, and I firmly believe that. I, I this kid has to decide how badly he wants to be an NHLer. And he is going to get his last chance, really, to do it with Toronto on a show-me deal in competition with a guy who cannot stay healthy. So in terms of opportunity, Samsonov is going to go to a pretty good defensive team in terms of shot suppression and quality danger scoring chances against. And he is going to get one last chance before he has to inevitably, inevitably, pardon me, just go back home. This guy has to decide right now, I want to play in the NHL for the rest of yep. my career. And so there's, so there's one half of this dice roll that Kyle Dubas is playing here. And the other half is... Just a, a a strange. This is what happens when you know you give four guys almost half of what your cap is to pay what does not make up half an NHL roster. This is the type of scenario that you get into, and I understand why people are willing to be optimistic. and And I get it. We've seen Matt Murray play at very high highs. We've seen him play at very low lows, and there's just and it's no been a middle lot of lows, here. man. It's been a lot of low. I mean. 
I will of late, that, yes. I will say he started off pretty well for uh, for Ottawa, and he just had a stretch of games where he was just absolutely getting pissed on every night. He's – and, I mean, I think the biggest thing, like, here's the optimism side, right? Two cups – had a lot a lot of supportive teams you know those two cup teams were really good really good Pittsburgh mm-hmm. Penguin teams with uh, a great mentor and Mark Andre Fleury helping you out a little bit on both of those runs albeit w- worth saying that he played all of the games in those two cup finals um has a real problem with his high glove. He, he he does not have a great glove hand. That's been the knock on him ever since his OHL days. Funnily enough, also with the Sioux Greyhounds. I, I'm I'm waiting for the press release that they've announced that they're now known as the Toronto Sioux Greyhounds. Um, <laughs> it, it's I think he's now the 13th or 14th former Sioux Greyhound player, let alone staff member from back in the day that Dubas has brought in. It's bizarre. But Murray, so, and again, his early days in Pittsburgh, some really good numbers here, like some really, really nice looking numbers. 13 games in that first cup year in the regular season, a 930 save percentage, 49 the next year, a 923 percentage. Then a bump in the road, 49 games, a 907. Then he plays 50 games with a 919 save percentage the year uh, that really his last good year. Then he really hits a wall, 38 games in an injury-riddled season in his last with Pittsburgh, an 899 save percentage. Tristan Jari steals his job. They let him walk as a free agent to Ottawa, where he puts up 27 games in an 893 and 20 last year with a 906. Now, there was a 10-game stretch last year in early January into February where Matt Murray played 10 games and had a 941 save percentage. There's still those flashes. Is he still young? Yes, he's still young by relative terms in a goal. He's 28 years old. Mm-hmm. But my 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 concern, and I it, I do not have a unique take on this. This is not unique. My concern, like basically everyone, is I don't doubt that there's a talent there. Can this guy play more than 25 games? And if we're going to talk betting again, if you were to give me a line of 25 and a half, 26 and a half games played, I'm taking the under on that. I really think that this is Kyle Dubas's last bullet. And I said on my show that I recorded earlier today, I think Kyle Dubas and Sheldon Keefe will both be fired before the end of next season. Before and like like playoffs, like they will be gone, both of them before the playoffs. I I, I firmly believe that. I I honestly, God, I I'm surprised they made it through the off season. I know. I like. I I was convinced after Game Seven. I'm like, this guy is gone. Maybe not Keith, but Dubas. I was like, this is it. Like five straight. Not even five straight. I love that people keep going, oh, five straight years of first-round exits. They lost to Columbus in a qualifier to get into the playoffs. That's not the playoffs. They didn't make the playoffs that year. They, they didn't. Nope. They got beaten by Eunice Corpusalo. It wasn't the playoffs, <laughs> guys. It's not the playoffs. So, But, like, the, the amount of failure there. Yay, fun regular seasons. I tell you, I know an awful lot about that watching the Capitals for years. 
hey, President's Trophy out in the first round, out in the second round, Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh, Rangers, Pittsburgh. Makes me sick. It's, it, it is a, a move of sheer desperation. And when, when managers in, in any sport make moves like this, this is the definition of high risk, high reward. When you hear mm-hmm. people toss that term around, this is the type of move they mean. Matt Murray is either going to figure it out and stay healthy behind a very good defensive team. The Leafs are. Just look at their analytics. They are. By analytical standards, they are a very good defensive team. Top five in the league. He is either going to thrive there and stay healthy and play 50-plus games and be a 9-15 or better goaltender and help them win a round. Or he is going to collapse and his body is going to betray him again. Ilya Samsonov is going to go in the net with Eric Schalgren or Joseph Wall behind him. And Ilya Samsonov is going to do what Ilya Samsonov does and have a shutout one night and then let six in the next couple nights. Yeah. That is what you're that is not the worst yeah, case so scenario. That's the up in four guys, man. Yeah. It's, so hard. it's just that's it's not just the so worst case scenario. That's that's a likely scenario. I'm just telling you what is likely based on what we've seen. Mm-hmm. Okay? So so you those two guys, particularly Matt Murray, have got to show everybody, particularly Lee fans, that that is not going to be the case and have a completely different set of cir- set of circumstances that they present with their play than what we're all anticipating because I can only go off what I've seen and both these guys do not move the needle for me. No. no. So it was funny too because you had Toronto you have these fans out all over Twitter defending the Matt Murray signs like how can you defend that? Like how in what world, universe, are you defending even over a couple million dollars? Or No, it was term. That's what it was for Dubas. It was term. You didn't want to give Campbell the term. Yeah. To yeah. defend letting Jack Campbell, a guy who got you thir- over 30 wins last season on his own, not on his own, but and then bringing in a guy who played a, a chunk of game in the AHL last season and not because he was hurt. There's just no, just there's so no bad. justification for it. There's none. There's no justification for it. And I get it. As we stated earlier, when it came to Kemper, you don't need elite goaltending to win Stanley Cups. You don't need, you know, you don't need Kemper to be elite in in in, uh, in Washington. <laughs> You're gonna need Matt Murray to be a better version of Kemper if you want to win in Toronto. Not even just because of just their 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 faulty defense, you know. Their uh, difficulties defending, but just the pressure that's going to be on him. You thought pressure was bad, you know, in in Pittsburgh or Ottawa. Forget about it with the media in Toronto, buddy. Like it's those cameras are going to have twice as many cameras in your face after every game, asking you what went right or what went wrong. And if you can't handle that pressure and you're going to fold under it, forget about it. And you, Jack Campbell, granted, yes, he was an emotional guy, but he was able to handle it. He was. It wasn't his fault they lost in the first round. They played against the fucking Tampa Bay Lightning. 
I don't I don't think yeah, I don't think that Jack Campbell lost them the series. I don't think that he lost them the series against Montreal the year before either. They had a bunch no. of star players that didn't show up and earn their money. They didn't perform well. Like, you know, I, I thought that they all to a man played better this year for the most part. Um, but that Montreal series, like Austin Matthews was invisible. John Tavares, unfortunately, had a really scary injury and wasn't available to them, but they still should have beat Montreal in five at worst, and they did not. And and I still, yeah, in that game seven, Campbell said he let in the worst goal of his life. Well, where where are all these big star players to score a goal against Montreal? Like, figure, figure it out for me. And then this year, mm-hmm. oh, like, and that's the thing that people are saying, well, Dubas survived because they lost and, you know, Sheldon Keefe had that goofy handshake line comment and everything. I don't care that you got put out by the two-time defending Stanley yeah. Cup champions. Guess what? On the way to winning a Stanley Cup, you're going to have to play really hard teams. Yeah. like nobody, nobody has ever won a Stanley Cup playing three super easy opponents at least one time on the way there. Never mind the Cup final. You're going to play a hard team. Washington had to do it. They had to exercise the demon of demons. Pittsburgh, Sidney Crosby owned Ovechkin and the Capitals' ass all the time. Never lost a playoff series to them. Guess what they eventually had to do? Like, I, you know, I don't want to hear this. Oh, oh, well, we had to play the Tampa Bay Lightning in the first round. So beat the Tampa Bay Lightning then. Mm-hmm. I don't like I the, the excuses are just like over the top and like even when the caps were doing this year after year I didn't want to hear it. Oh well Pittsburgh I don't care. Beat them. Beat them. You're paying you're paying four guys to be world beaters. Figure it out. You know? I, I just yeah, I don't know man. I think Kyle Dubas has played his final card here. And he's he's not even laying down a poker hand with rocket aces. He's laying down like a couple sevens here, hoping to hit a four of a kind. Because these two goalies, man, as we stand right now, maybe one of them proves us wrong. Maybe they both prove us wrong. Maybe they both provide some solid goaltending and have big, big, big time bounce back seasons. I doubt it. I doubt it. I really do. I doubt it. And I, and I I think that this is the final thing that's going to cost Dubas his job. I agree. I, um, I just I, I don't understand how, as a Leafs fan, you can feel optimistic about the moves they made over like the last seventy two hours. They're worse. They're a worse team than they, they were at the end of the 100%, 100%. season. Hundred percent. I, I I won't hear an argument against that. And it's not like they can afford to get better right now. I think right now, as as we. Are, are chatting here believe they have 3.7 million in cap space they've qualified pierre engvall which makes sense he actually had a pretty nice little season for them mckayev is gone sandine needs re-signed and rumors are that he's not particularly happy with how he was utilized last year and he's a key young piece of your defense i really like him you got to get him signed i think all signs are pointing to a similar thing with mcdonough what Tampa had to do with him. I, I think that the Leafs are going to try and move Jake Muzzin and, and and God love the guy for all he tried to do. He just cannot stay healthy in that 5.6 or 5.5 cap hit 
it's just too much of a liability at this point. I think he will be moved, and that will probably get you Sandine Engvall and some more pieces signed up. But it's a big gamble here for the Leafs. I, I did just see that Anaheim has signed Ryan Strom five years, five million per. So there's your number two center. Yeah, great move for them. There's your number two center behind Trevor Zegers for the next five years. Yep, and. Dylan Strom's still out there. I know he's been tied to Buffalo through speculation. I still think Buffalo needs a second line center, in my opinion. Um, that's just my opinion. I, I think that. I think so too. I think Casey Middlestat's a winger. That and just I don't feel that. I just don't feel that Dylan Cousins. I mean, he can he play the second line center? Absolutely, he can be. Hundred percent. That can should be a ceiling. Could it be? Could it be Peyton Krebs? Sure, it could be Peyton Krebs. He's he's bounced back and forth between center and the wing. He was drafted as a center, but for me, like I I, I when I think and you 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 might appreciate this, Ryan. Is I look at Dylan Cousins, I see Michael Pekka, man. I see a checking line center with scoring ability who's going to go out there and make whoever is on that top line make their life a living hell. He's not going to give him an inch. He's not. He's you know he's going to every time you come to the front of the net, he's going to make you feel it. You know, and he's going to give them hell in front of their own net. It's that's the way I that's when I see Dylan Cousins, and that's not a bad thing that being a checking line center, every team needs that. And I think he would thrive no, I, in that position, thrive. But you know, yeah, for me, I, I almost wish we were two years more further into this in, in, into what Kevin Adams is trying to do because you see a guy like JT Miller available uh, right now via trade in granite there. I hear the Canucks are asking for quite a bit and rightfully so he was almost a hundred point player, 99 points at 31. Um, if this team was two years more ahead into this rebuild, if that's what you want to call it, whatever Kevin Adams plan is, which is working so far, I think guy like JT Miller would make so much sense, but you know, I, just I don't yeah, think, I agree. You know, I, uh, I, I love the I love the moves that Buffalo made today. You know, especially when Toronto had such a terrible day. Um, I like Eric Comrie. He's a good bridge to whoever you feel is the next guy in net for you, whether that's Devin Levi or Eric Portillo or UPL, whoever it might be. Uh, I think he's a, he's a good bridge guy along with another year of Craig Anderson. Um, I'm assuming they'll probably give Craig, you know, an, an opportunity to lose the net. Rather than you know giving it to Comrie, the younger to guy, start, yeah, yeah. Um, There's nothing wrong with that. No, nothing at all. It's out of, just out of respect and a guy willing to play away from his family for another year. Um, also, another a great follow, uh, Nicole Anderson, his wife. She's always got a good tweet about her, you know, AARP husband. <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah, I just uh, you know, and then <laughs> Labushkin, I love that signing just be. I, I, I remember when, you know, people, you know, you know, it was speculated like two months ago that Labushkin could be a guy that Sabres could target, but it was just purely speculation. And I said, you know what, man, like Labushkin is a guy and he's a right-handed shot defenseman, a guy that I would not hate for Buffalo to sign because A, he's going to play out with a chip on his shoulder every time he plays against Toronto, which is a team you're going to play a lot every single season. And B, like he's kind of what you need, right? Like he's a physical defenseman, a stay at home. He's not an offensive presence. He's gonna give you a hell in front of your net or in front in front of his own net if you try and you know take liberties with the goaltender. You know, he's he's a physical presence, not the greatest skater, no, but I, I feel that if they, he is slotted in at that second pairing over Yogi Haryu, which is I think what they bring in him to do, to be that guy opposite of uh, Owen Power. 
I'm okay with that because I think that he is a guy that that blue line has missed for a long time. I I agree. I completely agree. And the contract is very palatable. And I and they know what they're getting. This guy is like the definition of meat and potatoes. He. Yeah, he is not going to dazzle you ever with his skating, his shooting, his passing, any of it. He is just a no-nonsense, I'm going to run guys through the wall and separate them from the puck quickly and yep. move it around the boards to Owen Power, to the guy who can cannon it out of the zone and put it right on Tage Thompson's tape. That's exactly what they do need. We, we've talked about this previously on the show, like, they don't need any more skill on their blue line. No. Darlene and and to a lesser extent, Yoki Haru and, of course, Owen Power, there's like your skating, mobile, puck-moving guys, and Power and Darlene are going to be power play fixtures for 15 years. You need a couple guys to pair with them that are going to smash people through the glass, yep. rim the puck around the boards to the skill guy yep. for a beautiful outlet feed and catch teams napping. And like Labushkin is as again, meat and potatoes as it gets. And he loves to hit people and he is never going to take a shift off physically. I don't think any Sabres fan is going to leave the rink or, or turn the TV off this year and go, boy, Labushkin, maybe he makes the odd mistake here and there, but like, I don't think anybody's ever going to walk away from a game. going. Yeah, no, no, he absolutely doesn't make you a worse team. I, I think that he adds an element that's needed back there, especially with two young guys that love to grab the puck and rush up the ice in power and uh, and Darlene, I I think that he is like an ideal partner for Owen Power, um, the left right thing. I think that he's a guy that no one's going to walk away from a game going, boy, he didn't try and the effort wasn't there. He's going to take, he's going to try and go through people's chest as often as he possibly can, and and I think Sabres yeah. fans are going to love this guy. And he's not he he plays an older school Buffalo style of hockey, the blue collar style, you know, just, very Talinder esque. Yes. I mean, I think he's tougher than Talinder personally. I do too. But, yeah. But yeah. For I, sure. I think he's not afraid to drop the gloves. We've Craig seen Craig Reve. Yeah. Correct. I, I, that's not a terrible comparison. That is not a terrible comparison. I will give you that. That is, that's, that's not a bad comparison at all. Um, I just think maybe he has a little bit more skill to his game. Granted, not a ton of it, but maybe a little bit more skill. Yeah. I think it's, the ceiling's a little bit higher than maybe Craig, and that's not a knock against Craig because Craig was a very gift, you know, he was gifted offensively to an extent. So yeah, big shot. He had a big, shot. A big heart, shot. Mean, hard nosed guy plays in front of his own net, plays well in his own end, takes care takes care of the defensive zone first. That's what Craig was, and he was a good leader. Um, Labushkin, just I just I just love just seeing that grit and that jam. I know the analytics people hate hearing that grit. Like one of the one of the analytics guy guys, uh, I forget who it was. He tweeted out, "Oh, the grit, the grit guy, the grit crowd will love Labushkin. The grit people." It's like, I mean, first off, where do you get off? You know, kind of making light of people who care about that part of the game because it matters. It does matter. Like I would love to see it, it, you. It does. I would love to see you put on skates. And try and go against Ilya Labushkin one on one because you know what's going to happen? He's going to put you through the boards. Love to see the analytics on that. Yeah. Yeah, I would love to see it because I love analytics. I love anal. I I do. And like they're they're, they're meaningful. It's just this isn't baseball. Like people have to remember that there is an element to a fast moving, nonstop, free flowing game mm -hmm. where there's no out of bounds. Um, you know, it's an unpredictable sport and. 
you can look at analytics and get a pretty good picture of things yep. from there and understand, you know, things that you need to fix. Yep. But something that the analytics in hockey, at least, will never be able to quantify or or calculate is how much a guy wants to get to a puck first over another guy in the third yep. period with three minutes left with a one goal lead. How, how, how often does, you know, F1, and I love analytics. I just yeah, want to say that. I like, say how often does F one in, in, in a race for the puck, see D one, maybe that's Labushkin and know who that guy is and be like, you know what? No, I don't want to die today. I, you know, I, I'll take the L here. Like that happens in every single game, even though it's professional hockey, it happens. And that's the type of factor guys like them bring. And that's why, you know, I get it that the enforcer is no longer, you know, a thing in the NHL and, you know, maybe it's better for the game. Sure. But you want to know what, man, I respect them so much. And uh, the same person gave Rob Ray a ton of crap once. Uh, I think it was him. Uh, for, you know, when, when he saw it, when there was a fight during the game, so there was a place for us. There was a place. He's like, yeah, we get it, Ray. There was a place for you. It's not anymore. But, like, here, the, it, there was, though. There was. And it was respecting that locker room because there was no other fucking guy in that locker room half the time willing to go out and do it. Yeah. When that, you have those guys in your team, you know, the stupid shit that you see, it doesn't happen. Yeah. The, it doesn't happen. There was, a, there was a time in the game where that was – uh, a real like a real necessity like yeah. you know um necessity or no it's not no, no and and that's game and that's yeah. a natural that's a natural evolution of a sport i mean yeah. look at again like a sport look at again like a sport like baseball like starting pitchers are like like it used to be the norm where like your big horse at the top of the rotation pitched 230 innings plus mm -hmm. a year almost no one does that now basically no one's on pace to do it no. Nobody pitches 230 innings now. You 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 pitch 180 innings. Try and keep your pitch counts under 100 most nights. They're pulling guys in the sixth inning at 88 pitches. You know what I mean? It's now a bullpen sport, for better or worse. But that's what the sport has become now because the computers – baseball is analytics. Baseball is the analytic sport. Billy Bean, Moneyball, the whole deal, right? It, the sport yeah. has changed. The mound used to be higher. You know what I mean? In hockey, back in the day, you wanted a guy that could punch people's faces in and take people to task on the ice. Wayne Gretzky's teams had it. The Montreal Canadiens had it. The New York Islanders had it. Clark Gillies would send you through the glass. You needed guys like that. You just did. Um, and, and, I mean, to... To equate that to what the analytics-driven era in hockey is now is, I agree, a bit disrespectful because the game just wasn't like it is now. Mm -hmm. It's different, and and to insinuate that they were lesser or or not necessary based on the era they were in, what? they quite clearly were. Wayne Gretzky has been on record numerous times saying, "I I felt." protected with Dave Semenko out there when he got traded to LA they de he, Gretzky demanded that McSorley get traded with him yeah there was a reason for that yeah 100 percent so when the great one turns around and says I need this guy to come with me wherever I'm going for the time and the way the game was then well that's the ultimate respect isn't yep. it and 
you, you look at a guy like Tom Wilson for your caps, right? Like how often are liberties not taken during games? Granted, Tom Wilson is a bit of a unicorn because he has that offensive ability too. You don't really see it that combination anymore. Kind of like Matthew Kachuk. I think I think, you know If Tom Wilson was a free agent today, he would be a guy like Cad- the league is interested. He'd be a guy like Kadri right now where a deal isn't done because so many teams are calling for him. Tom yep. Wilson would be lined up at a hotel in downtown Toronto where he's from, and every single team would have a representative there yep. putting a do a tang down in yep. front of him. Like 100%. because he is so Blank checks everywhere. Yeah. You know, what do you want? Because he want? is so unique. Uh, for yeah. better and worse. Yeah. Tom Wilson has done and some again, atrociously stupid stuff. But, I mean, there's a top-line winger with Ovechkin. He won yeah. a Stanley Cup, like, and there's, was a big part of it. Whether you want to acknowledge that or not, he just was. He's the boogeyman. Yeah. There's, he is. There's things that these guys do that you don't see on charts or graphs. Like, how often... Are they engaging in physical battles? Does that can you find that on a charter graph? No. How often are they winning the physical battles on the boards? Can you find that on a charter graph? No. You know, I, I made this point on the show a couple times back when Taylor Hall was a Buffalo Saber. When Jack Eichel got hurt, he mailed it in. And he stopped engaging in front of the net. He did flybys. He didn't yeah. engage in physical battles along the boards. But his zone he exits were really guys. good. Huh? His zone entries and exits were really oh, good. Oh yeah, they were great. But those <laughs> that those parts of the game matter. If you aren't winning your board battles, if you aren't winning the battles in front of the net, if you're not putting the effort in, the kind of effort that Jeff Skinner puts in that he doesn't get enough credit for, the beatings that guy takes and the antics that guy goes through, you know, what that guy goes through and how much sometimes he's hated every time he's out on the ice. Um, I mean, like. I'm sorry, you're just not going to win. And that's just that ability, as you stated, how fucking bad do you want it? How fucking bad do you want it? And Jeff Skinner wants it fucking bad. And when Taylor Hall, he didn't want it after Jack got hurt because he knew he wasn't signing. He wasn't wasn't coming back. He knew he was going to be a Boston Bruin. That's why Buffalo only got a second-round pick for him because they knew that was the only team Taylor Hall wanted to go to. And they they had him up back into a corner. There's what? something to there's something to be said for for the heart factor of it all, and that's just something mm-hmm. that will never be quantifiable, right? And I mean, the never. best example, never. I think the best example that I could come up with, and you know, the Buffalo faithful won't like it. I think I've made it before. The ultimate example of you can't see a guy's heart, and and I mean, show me this guy's analytics. One of the most embarrassing draft combines in NFL history. Tom Brady. Yep. Yeah. And and like and if the Patriots if the Patriots or anybody could have known if there was an a chart that could have shown the burning desire the desire to to earn greatness and earn championships and earn a legendary status he would have been the first overall pick that year. Yep. But there's, there is no chart for that. No one, including the Patriots who took a flyer on the guy in the sixth round. Mm -hmm. No one saw this coming. No, nobody saw this coming. No No one saw Henrik Lundqvist coming. No, no one saw Pavel Datsuk. coming. 
Hashik was the best. Hashik, yeah. great Perfect example. Simple. People looked at Dominic Hashik and the way he played goalie, and they said, "No, it'll never no. work in the NHL. John He's Muckler, too erratic." John Muckler recognizes that this guy does whatever he can to stop a puck. He has that Tom Brady, Tom Brady drive, or maybe Tom Brady had that Dominic Hashik drive. Whatever it took yes. to stop a puck, yes. whatever it did to win, and that's what Dominic Hashik had. You don't find that on a chart. You don't find that on a graph. You don't can't tell what's up here and that matters so much like Don Granado yeah. said it in his in his in his speech uh at pre-development camp he had all or no no I no, saw no. that was, yeah no no it wasn't development camp it was uh uh USA hockey thing and yeah. it was uh it was you know all the players from the, uh, the U.S. development program and he said we know you're good enough to be get there we know you're good enough here the skills here I've seen it it's just good ones us are you willing to sacrifice? Are you willing Will you to pay the price? it takes? And you can't find that on a graph. And one of these days, man, I want to, I, 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 I haven't given up on writing, but I haven't written in a really long time. I want, I really want to sit down with Andrew Peters and ask him to say, hey, man, well, you used to be a second, uh, you were a second round pick. You were a good player in minor hockey. Like, you weren't a bad hockey player, you know, coming up before the rule changes kind of skewed everything. And you were asked to do something that maybe you weren't used to doing. I want to know what it was like, the nerves and the anxiety of doing what you were asked to do every single night. And did you yeah. feel appreciated? I know he felt appreciated because he did. I know those teams, those players in Buffalo appreciated what he did. And it's just not respected at all enough by people like the person I'm you know, referring to. And it's just like it's not respected by them. Because you can't find it on a graph. You can't find it on a chart. It's just like you don't understand because you've never been in a locker room, man. You don't understand what it's like to know that that guy is on your team and he has your back no matter what. Granted, every player on your team should have have, have each other's back. Well, but yeah. That guy, that guy is going to go into an alley with you and he is gonna and he is gonna swing at anything that moves and he is gonna protect you with every ounce. Of every bone in his body, he's gonna he's gonna put it all on the line for you, and that's what Pete guys like Ray and Peters and May and Barnaby were. Man, they were willing to sacrifice everything for their team. You know, I think find that the I think if you and again, like I value the information that's available in oh, analytics. So it's, like it's it's not it, like I, again. I hope nobody is taking this as like oh, no, like we're we're not, old no. men yelling at clouds. No. We're we're not. It's just that. You know, I, I do think some people rely on them a little too much and there does need to be a mix of mm -hmm. uh, in a sport like hockey, like baseball, it makes perfect sense. Baseball is a sport built around the same event happening over and over and over again. It's it's literally a mouse falling on a mouse trap over and over and over. It's quantifiable. The math makes sense. Batting averages, hot zones in the strike zone, yeah. all of it. It makes a lot of Money sense. Moneyball, you know. It, it, yeah, it makes a lot of sense. That's why teams like that athletics team could win in a sport like baseball. Yeah. Because they saw guys that were mathematically undervalued and the math fit the sport and made total sense. Mm -hmm. Um, Hockey doesn't lend itself as well mm -hmm. to being holistically reliant on that information. Um, I mean, another great example of it is that great doc that we all saw the rivalry, the, the avalanche Red oh, Wings thing. Both man. those teams. I bet you, if you went back and tracked their analytics were incredible, but when you listen to Iserman and Shanahan and Sackick and Forsberg, 
talk about those days, they they all go, yeah, we McCarty. needed Chris Draper. We oh, needed yeah. Darren McCarty. Yeah. We needed uh, we needed all those, you know, tough guy, Adam Foote mm-hmm. on, on Colorado. We needed yeah. those guys, you know, Yui Krupp. Oh, you yeah. know, we we needed those Patrick guys. Law and Osgood, man, like they were willing to go to war. It was great. A hundred percent, they were, weren't they? Yeah, it's yeah. it's just a thing where when you when you look at certain guys and what they do or don't do analytically, it, it's easy to get caught up in seeing a graph of something and a and a chart, and and you and you see this evidence of this aspect of a game but it does in a sport like hockey leave out a lot yep. of relevant information that's still relevant to the game and it's still a physical going, game as going. long as checking is allowed Dwayne yeah that that's going to be still an element if they get rid of hitting then yeah the analytics will be the most prominent evaluator of Yep. of every team but with the way the sport is played and the frenetic pace of it it can't be the be all end all it yep. needs to be part of your organization you got to have this information and make decisions 100%. with it but you can't just have uh, a, a team of guys with good looking zone exits it, no, it's it, it, you want them that's ever won a cup that ever will win a cup and in a physical checking fighting league where every single player on that team was brought in for an analytic reason. It's just no. It's just not possible. I, mean, I shouldn't say it's not possible. But you know, what analytics does, it tell it gives you it gives you a read and it tells you things about a player that normally maybe you don't recognize with the eye test. How did the Montreal Canadiens get to a cup final two Carey years Price. ago? Carey Price. Yeah, Carey Price. But Carey Price didn't score goals, and he didn't run no. people through the end wall. They no. outworked a yeah. lot oh, of good teams. They outworked Shea, them. Shea Weber was playing through so much pain, man. He analytically, won. analytically, the Toronto Maple Leafs should have swept the Montreal Canadiens and won 5 nothing, 6-2 every game. Yeah. Yep. Analytically okay. speaking, that's what Montreal should have happened. Montreal wanted it more. They it's fast, them. man. It's they, facts. They outworked them. They absolutely, you know, analytically, you could have all those numbers and all those graphs and all those charts, you know, right in front of you, and it all makes sense on paper. But at the end of the day, you have to have that it factor, that Tom Brady factor, that Dominic Kashuk factor. Do whatever it takes. Take the beating. Go into the corners. Go into the boards. Go to the front of the net. You know, don't do flybys. You know, the things that you can't read. And, and as long as it's a physical league, these things are, you know, again. You analytics is you're looking through your own lens and you know, I respect it. I do it. And I think any coach should have an analytics team because it is information on players that maybe you just wouldn't recognize with the eye test. You know, what, you know, what, you know, what outside, you know, you know, like zone entries, zone exits, you know, it's extremely valuable. Like they're Corsi, they're Fenway, like all that stuff. It's so valuable. We're not we're not saying uh, like yeah. it's extremely valuable when you look at really fine details in terms of like this guy does really well against right-handed centers in faceoffs. Yep. So that is something you'd consider maybe on a power play where you're lining up and going, 
We've got a right-handed center that does great against lefties or righties in face-offs. We'll, we'll put him in there. That's why you see a lot of teams like the Caps do it quite a bit on the, on the power play. TJ Oshie takes a lot of draws on the right-hand side because he's right-handed and he can reach in and scoop the puck back and like win face-offs. It's not Baxter or Kuznetsov doing it. That's analytically driven, 100%. Boy, Oshie's winning a lot of draws against left-handed centers on his offhand. Let, let's let him take face-offs on that side. Works same way with the penalty kill. That's a fine detail of the game, a face-off in one particular dot against a certain kind of handedness where that's a really fine detail that analytics is extremely valuable, just as an example. This defenseman off face-off wins on the power play gets shots through 86% of the time. Value, valuable information. Let's put that defenseman on the first power play. He's getting a ton of shots through. Yep, but it doesn't mean that that defenseman is going to outwork a forward in the corner in their own zone with three minutes left with a one goal lead and not get beat to the puck that ends up in the back of your net. That's the stuff that you can't quantify and it does matter. It does. It does. And so do the, and so do the numbers. Speaking, speaking of Nazem Kadri before we, before we, uh, end up, which has been one of my favorite episodes in a while, uh, Nazem Kadri, where do you think he ends up? So, obviously, Calgary has some money now, but I I don't feel like he's going to end up there. Seattle is a player here. Like, if he wants to cash in, Seattle has more than, you know, the space to accommodate his financial needs. And I hope Naz does get paid. I mean, the guy there's, deserves there's, it. There's a guy that deserves it. It's him. I heard... Toronto, like... I heard uh, Jamie McLennan talking a lot on the TSN free agent coverage today about how he would love to see Kadri in Washington. Me too. The only thing there is, what is the future definitively of Nick Backstrom? And we don't know. Mm -hmm. I'll say this. They could do it. If Nick Backstrom was put on permanent LTIR and eventually retired, which I do fear because Nick Backstrom is my favorite player ever. I love Nick Backstrom. I, I would, uh, I would happily do a- anything mm-hmm. to make him healthy, but I'll say this. That's the only way that they could do it. Would Kadri fit in really well with the caps? Absolutely. Could you imagine a team with Tom Wilson and Kadri on the same team? Yeah, oh my God, the chaos. Just rename chaotic. the arena suspension center. Like that would be so gross. And I think he would look really great on their power play too, playing with his old nemesis, Ovi. They've had a number of run-ins over the year. Oh, for sure. For sure. But it would take Nick Backstrom basically never playing hockey again. And a couple weeks ago, Brian McClellan said the intent was to have Nick come back at some point this year. That's probably looking more like January, February. And if Nick genuinely wants to do it, then I support it. I'll say this though. Nick did just have the same hip resurfacing surgery that Ryan Kessler had Mm -hmm. and Ryan Kessler never came back. So, I don't think Kadri ends up in Washington, but if it comes out in a couple days that Backstrom is being put on LTIR and retiring, mm-hmm. then they jump 
to the more front part of the list. I have a sneaking suspicion it's going to be Seattle. I think Seattle has the money and are trying to build something there that maybe he's potentially interested in. I just have a sneaking suspicion that Seattle is going to get him. And I don't really know why. I don't know where else he he can go. Long term, the Rangers cannot afford to give him the term Cal- he's going to want. Could it be Calgary? It Calgary could. I I just don't think I just don't think he wants to go to Calgary. I could be wrong. Well, I'm just trying over, to think, think. Like I where think else? Over, I think they're willing to overpay him just to keep Matthew Kachuk happy. Maybe is it the Islanders? Like, do the Islanders find they have room money to for spend? Him? They have money to spend. They were trying to get Goudreau. Is is it the Islanders? He knows Lou. I, I don't know. I Seattle's my bet. Yeah, that's a good. I, I mean, that's good. Seattle's my bet. I'm I'm sticking with that. I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Calgary or the Island first. Island personally, I think the Island makes sense. Like you said, his they make a lot of sense. Um, and that'll make one guy I know really happy if he does end up in uh, on the Island. Uh, but uh, John Klingberg. I guess that the, he was having some pretty positive negotiations with Dallas, with Dallas yeah. like in Dallas. which which is surprising given that it seemed to sound as though he was like he desperate like he to get out of there. I think that he'll re-sign in Dallas, and if he doesn't, if he doesn't, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be surprised if a team like Calgary tried to get him. It would, Calgary would make sense. But I, I think personally, my prediction he'll he'll stay in Dallas. I think he will too. I think I think, I think he will too. Money for him, and he and he's worth it to a certain. Depending on term, he's worth it. I wonder if the Devils wouldn't be a player too. The PK Subban the the PK Subban money's gone. Defenseman man, and you know that could make sense. That Pair him up with Ty Smith. Yeah, you, you never yeah. know, right? And last but not least, Pollock. Yeah, that one is like I I I genuinely have no idea. I think if Patrice Bergeron doesn't come back, I think he is such a Boston Bruin. Mm-hmm. He plays that style. I feel like Bergeron will come back though. Mm-hmm. And depending on what that contract looks like, that might be dicey. I really feel like the Islanders are gonna are gonna push for him. They've lost out now on Goudreau, who they were allegedly heavily, you know, involved with. If they don't get a cadre, I feel like Boston or the Islanders are a great landing spot for Palat. I think he ends up on one of the three New York teams. I don't know which one, but I think he ends up in New York. Yeah, I mean, let's be honest. The the Rangers are going to make noise. No more Strom. Mm-hmm. And the Devils have plenty of money to play with, too. Why would you say the Devils? Why I said three New York teams. Well, I mean, if you're talking Buffalo, yeah. They have the cap I actually team. think Buffalo would I, Buffalo would be pretty attractive, actually, if, if I'm Palat, too. It's just... How much rebuilding are you willing to put up with for a couple years? Because I don't think Buffalo is that far away from being really competitive. I think they're competitive next year, depending on how their goaltending pans out. 
that's the one thing, right? So if you're Palat, is it like, well, the Islanders had a down year. Maybe I fit in there. Boston's Boston. Do they still have one more go in them? It'd be something to consider. It'd be something to consider. I wouldn't be shocked, let's just say, if the Sabres yeah. were in play I for think him. he ends up on a New York team and honestly flip a coin a couple, you know, however you want to do it. It's an interesting them. one. Yeah. He's he, he I just really have no read. He just I don't know. Something about him feels like I'm a, a Boston brew and I, I don't know why. But yeah, yeah uh, New York, yeah, it seems like a pretty good landing spot for him. I uh, before we take off here, I just want to plug uh, the hockey tournament that I am organizing here in Buffalo to help support the families of the those the families affected by the May 14th mass shooting in Buffalo. Uh, Buffalo Strong Street Hockey Tournament. Um, right now, tentatively scheduled for the weekend of the 27th to 28th of August. Uh, we might get pushed back into September, uh, the second week of the Bills season when Bills play on Monday night. So, you know, Bills fans wouldn't get affected by that. It'd be Saturday, Sunday. Um, we'll, we will see. Um, there's some a lot of moving parts to this that we're still trying to figure out. But uh, they've been garnering a lot of interest. So, please, if you are interested in uh, registering a team, registering as a free agent, volunteering or donating, please DM me either at my own personal handle at Buff Strong Hockey, B-U-F Strong Hockey, um, or uh, email Buffalo Strong Hockey at yahoo.com. Uh, you know, just go find you know, Easiest way is to go find me on Twitter at DwayneS39, as you can see on the screen there, and I'll direct you and I'll get you squared away. But uh, all proceeds after, obviously, we cover costs to run the tournament, um, we'll be going to the families of uh, those affected by the May 14th shooting. Uh, and again, we appreciate anybody's support, either as a volunteer, a donation, or just registering a, uh, a player or as, a, as a free agent or a team. So I uh, just wanted to give that a quick plug uh, before we head out here. Ryan, you got anything else? Not much. I mean, I'm interested to see where some of these big names end up landing and uh, it's going to be an interesting off season. There's going to be some trades. There's going to be some wild stuff going on. It's uh, it's a great time to be a sports fan right now, especially an NHL fan. So uh, there's more to come. Uh, you can check out my show instigating easy to find instigating with Clarky and Drury. We're on uh, we're on social media at instigating pod. You can follow me as well. My Twitter handles there at CKNX underscore Drury. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm very much looking forward to uh, the upcoming OHL season, getting back into the rink and uh, calling Guelph Storm games. It's going to be an exciting year of uh, of major junior hockey. It's going to be great. Yeah. Well, um, that's it for me. Uh, I, like I said, this has been one of my favorite episodes in a while. Ryan, I'm glad you stuck through it with me hour and 45 minutes um so with that being said uh this has been episode 104 of two goalies one mike for Cully, i am Dwayne ryan jury from the instigators podcast you can find him find him on twitter at cknx underscore jury uh great follow one of my favorite uh co-hosts to have on this show always comes in clutch for me and um you know I will uh, talk to you guys, hopefully, maybe, maybe even tomorrow. We'll see, you know, see how day two goes. But a lot of big names out there still, as we speculated, uh, where, where they will end up. So, Ryan, thanks for hopping on, man. 
Sportsman Robinson brought to you by Outlet Liquor, the place to buy a case in Western New York on Old Georgia and Boulevard. Make sure you get over there and tell them the guys from Two Bullies when Mike sent you. Uh, Ryan, thanks for hopping on with me, bud. You bet, man. Anytime. Yeah, you guys enjoy your night. Hey everybody, this is Dwayne from Two Goalies, One Mike, a show where we give you a behind-the-mask coverage of the greatest sport on earth, whether it be happening right here in Buffalo or around the hockey world. Now you might be thinking, hey Dwayne, why would I want to hear what you two idiots have to say about hockey? Well, first of all, rude. Second of all, we bring in coaches, players, analysts from your favorite programs from ESPN to Sportsnet to TSN. We're always on it. If you're a Sabres fan or just a hockey fan, you can download us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. And of course, you can check us out at trainwrecksports.com or the Dean Blundell Podcasting Network. Thank you for your support, guys, and I'll hang up and listen. The Podcast Super Friends is a monthly meeting of five podcast producers. Hi, I'm Catherine O'Brien from Branch Out Programs in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I'm John Gay from Jagged Detroit Podcasts. I'm Matt Kundal from the Sound Off Podcast Network. I'm David Yes from Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. And I'm Johnny Peterson from Straight Up Podcasts. Together, they form the Podcast Super Friends, an alliance of podcast masterminds sharing best practices, insights, and discussions to help make you a better podcaster. Follow or subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or at soundoff.network. I'm Connie Teeson, the host of Broadcast Dialogue, the podcast. We focus on Canada and the challenges facing Canadian radio and TV, as well as highlighting those moving the industry forward from podcasting and streaming to new broadcast tech. Check us out at broadcastdialogue.com or your favorite podcast app.